Welcome to Sports, Clips, and Politics with your host, Ben Husson, and me, Sean Hannon. Welcome to episode 73 of Sports, Clicks, and Politics. I am Sean Hannon. That is Ben Husong. Only one glitch to start the show today. You're getting better. It's only been a year and a half. I guess. Good Terrible. Welcome, everybody, for uh, episode 73. Thank you for joining us, taking out of your uh, time out of your Monday afternoon. Uh, hopefully, you're settling down for some lunch, maybe. That's about that time. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Husong, thank you for joining us. Uh, Tell us about your weekend. Weekend was good. I uh, stayed very busy this weekend, as is Norm. Um, having a, uh, a big party at my house next weekend with a mm. lot of family. So got to get the house ready. So a lot of projects. Um, I think I've told you this before. I'm, I'm trying to install a four-season fire pit in my backyard, which, Excellent. to the best of my knowledge, does not presently exist in the world, but mm. it will shortly. Okay. So we knocked out a lot of work on that. Uh, For the person that buys the house later? When you move to the mountains? Yeah, like five years. Yeah, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to enjoy this thing for a year or two. As I log cabin style, wall this thing up, get the fire put in there and everything else. My wife asked me about that. Like, what if we sell? Like, well, then at least I know how to do it. I'll do it on the next house. So it's just a learning curve yeah, at this right, point. No, right. And the second one's probably better. This is the yeah, beta is, version. So. We're, we're working out the kinks. Yeah, all right. We're, we're learning. So, yeah, that was fun. But I, I did have to shovel and rake out about a yard and a half of dirt and then a yard and a half of loose stone. So my... uh. So your back feels my like... My back is shot. My <laughs> hands were killing me yesterday. It was. I had some uh, friends fun. come over and give me a hand, which was very kind of well, them. Very good. So I still have some people that'll, that'll come and help me out when I ask, which is nice. Well, as you saw on the way in, we're having a bunch of work done at the house. You're so, doing a lot of here. Yeah, there's a bunch of stuff going on here. Nothing in the studio, so it's all external. There it's all go. for the misses, for the curb appeal. There you go. So we can sell. I would love out of here. I would love to say mine was for the misses. It's <clears> not at all. It's just yeah, me. Right. Like, I am the problem. Like, you know, you know what else we could do? We could do this. She's just looking at me like, is, isn't it good enough yet? It, like, yeah, no. Well, well, we'll find a use for that at some point in the after world. Oh, yeah. After the, after the uh, Micronova. The Micronova will, will be come a handy. good incentive. Yes. Um, there's, some, there's some really good land for sale out New Mexico, Arizona, West Texas way. Just throwing it out there. You get into northern New Mexico, just below Colorado. Very pretty. Beautiful mountain ranges. Good elevation. Yeah. Everything you could want. Protected by mountains. Somewhat. Yeah. Well, before we get into the... Uh, the meat of the show, uh, this is where I should give my obligatory uh, please share and like this video. Give us a review if you're listening to the uh, the, the audio version of this podcast, and uh, you can uh, subscribe uh, anywhere you're finding us. And uh, Please help us with the algorithms. Yes, we need, the, we need the help. It's like voting. Sure. I don't know. Except more structured and more secure? Like, uh, right. There you go. I mean, I wasn't trying to... I wasn't trying to knock the uh, like and sharing part of the world, comparing it to voting. But uh, I don't know. I want to do a little uh, NFL. No. Okay. Let's do it anyway. <laughs> Not even a little this week. Yeah. Well, we can start with Aaron Rodgers. We want to end with Aaron Rodgers. Well, let's end with Aaron Rodgers. Okay. Let's get the bad one out of the way. Right. Six to nine. Are you freaking kidding? Uh, and just for the more important issue of the, the whole thing, like Steph Diggs was on my DraftKings team this week and oh. was miserable. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, that's, yeah that's tough. I had Beasley last week. You know, he didn't score, but he got me like, I don't know, 10 catches, 100 Dude yards. Dude gets 15 so. targets a game. Yeah. Like he's going to put up numbers. But yeah, six to nine, go forward. Go ahead. I, Elaborate. Just an embarrassment. I mean, look, fundamentally it came down to an exceedingly high number of penalties and the offensive line, particularly Daryl Williams playing right tackle, forgetting how to block 
at least 10 different times during the game where I'll put some of it on play calling in Josh Allen because Josh Allen gets in his own way. and He he wants every play to be a Superman play. He never just takes the the six-yard pass. It's got to be a 32-yarder. But I mean, that's, you know, they compared him to Brett Favre coming out of college. Oh, my God, man. He's got to get over that. You know what that is, though? I feel like the same reason why Brett Favre is the same – it's not because of the same personality. It's because their arm is so gigantic that they could throw it anywhere. Right. So they just think they can do it. Because they, they probably can. But that's the thing. Look, <laughs> Tom Brady can make almost every throw, too. But you know what he does? He throws the six-yard pass nine times out of ten, and then the one for ten that he bombs it on you is always complete. So, like, if you're going to emulate a career, and you've got to choose between Brett Favre and Tom Brady. Yeah, I but love one's, like the, one's like the gunslinger, one's like the calculated assassin, right? Yeah, so one's like, the gunslinger, and one has six Super Bowl seven listen, Super I'm, Bowl I'm rings. I'm not dismissing like, any of it. I'm just saying, when you get into a... Uh, uh, a character, if you will, and Josh Allen is more character of Brett Favre than he is Tom Brady. I'm not, nobody I'm is Tom Brady, but you should emulate to be Tom Brady in whatever task you're trying. And I hate, I shouldn't say I hate Tom Brady. I hate the Patriots. I like yeah, Tom Brady's Tom come Brady a long way in the, uh, for 20 in the COVID, in the COVID regime. Oh, has he? Yeah. Well, he's not, he's not really all that into it. And he's not Bitcoin guy too. So I did I mean, know that. Yeah. So like he's, he's, but, he's, he's wearing on me. All right. That aside, Brian Dabble for the love of God. Can we get a screen pass? Can we run the ball on occasion just to test it out and see how it goes? No, that'd be crazy. Can we maybe get now, a quick back pass? to your original? Now, I know you're blaming the coach there, but isn't that Josh Allen? Couldn't he check down? I mean, maybe they're not running yes. those backs out of the in those plays, My. but I mean, I I don't follow the play calling well enough. To, God, I'm guessing you yes. do better than I. But he could. I would still love a run. The problem is, and this is a Josh Allen problem, not a Brian Dabble problem. Anytime you get an RPO with Josh Allen, it is not the, the R might as well not be there. It is a play action pass. He never gives the ball to the running back. He puts it in his stomach and then he pulls it back literally 49 times out of 50. Like he never actually gives the ball to the running back on the RPO. Play. Maybe if you committed to Moss more than uh, Singletary, I think he's a better running back. I don't know. I mean, I know you don't have big enough sample size because you point out they don't really run the ball that often. But I also think there's not a discernible difference between the two of them. I think that they are very similar backs, very similar skill set, very similar limitations, and I don't. It doesn't make sense why you have two of them. Yeah, I think I just much rather if I was going to commit to a run, I would just much rather have Frosty the running back. But I don't know. The Bills are now out of the top five. Can I? They can deserve I, it. Okay, good. Six. I mean, points. You're trying to give me hell last week about it, and I kept him in. This week, no. No, they deserve it. They they Steelers play tonight, so... The Bills and the Steelers are about to have the same record. I told you last week they're only a game behind. I know. You are, I, <laughs> I did not foresee them losing to the Jaguars. That's on me. We'll have the tiebreaker, just for the record. Oh, shut up. You also <laughs> might win your division. No, the Ravens. I think the Ravens are legit. I feel I, Their defense is still can be had, or at least can be thrown on anyway. I, we'll see. I don't know. Um, have any other hot takes uh, from the week in general? Other than Aaron Rodgers, we'll get to that at the end. But, like, any other uh, newsworthy things? I mean, Cardinals won. Shocking. Without Kyrie, Mur- Kyler Murray, though. And yeah. DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So, I mean, they, they won. I mean, they didn't play. Who did they play? They played uh, San Francisco. I think it was San Francisco. Yes, they played San Francisco. They were five-and-a-half-point underdogs. Still come uh, out and won the game. Eight, eight and one. Um, I'm still, I would still put the Packers number one since they beat the Cardinals. And Aaron Rodgers obviously didn't play this week. And Aaron Rodgers is my new favorite like yeah, here's I'm like standing for Aaron Rodgers all the time now. Here's my hot take for the week: Jordan Love is not ready to play football. Uh, yeah, I don't think that was. I mean, there was no, there was nowhere so far any indication that he could play football. That's fair. So, like, we're just status quo, I guess. Yep. Um, Rams won. Titans like I, they're five in a row now. How did they beat the Rams? How did the Titans win that game? I really didn't watch it, so I'm genuinely asking. I didn't watch it either. Oh. Well, thank God we talked about had, sports uh, on this show. Yes, uh, 
Well, I, I only watch the games where my fantasy players are in. <laughs> and I had no Cooper Cup. I got you. Um, yeah, and I, I think I, you know, if you want to do the top five real quick here, uh, I have the Cardinals and Packers, I guess. I guess since they both played without their quarterback in the Cardinals one, I guess I should give the Cardinals the edge, even though the Packers beat the Cardinals. I don't know. It's close. Yeah. Those are one and two or one and one A or whatever. And then basically the same conversation I had with the Rams and the Titans at both seven and two. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe they're three and four or three and three A. And then it's basically the Ravens or the Cowboys, right? I'm going to go with the Ravens. You're going to go Ravens or Cowboys ahead of the Rams. No, no, no. I'm saying one and two is Cardinals Packers. Three and four is Rams Titans. Rams Titans. Which in literally any order. Bro, where are the Buccaneers on your list? I don't know, man. They're I, I like to see them get healthy first, but they're they're basically sixth. All right. I mean They're basically sixth. I have the Ravens ahead of the, the Tampa Bay. I don't know. listen, I think the Buccaneers, if you if in a game straight up, I I would take the Buccaneers to beat the Ravens. Like I just think they have a more complete team and when you're going quarterback v quarterback, give me Tommy. Tommy terrific. For sure, for sure. Listen, if you put him on a neutral court, I would say that, but I got here it. we are. But All right, you records, got a, you, you got a bottom five for me? I mean, yeah. I know the, the crowd is waiting in anticipation I mean, of the worst teams in the league. I want to put the Bills on there just on principle because <laughs> I'm so mad after this past <laughs> week. Football's I mean, stupid anyway. That was my takeaway. But I can't believe I invested three hours to watch. It was like reminiscent of Bills-Browns games of old. Nine to seven. One team had to win. Derek Joe Anderson. Cribs. Derek Anderson. Joshua Cribs. Sorry. Derek Anderson going two for 17 and winning the game. Yeah, that, that happened in Bills history. So this was a, this brought up a lot of like PTSD as a Bills fan. But I'm, I'm going to be objective somewhat, and I'll just make them the sixth worst team in the NFL today so they Fair. stay out of the bottom five. Uh, the worst team in the NFL right now, in my humble opinion, is the Houston Texans. I was thinking maybe Tyrod Taylor coming back would give them some kind of a job. I had Tyrod Taylor, Brandon Cooks, and Nico Collins as the core of my DraftKings team lineup so so it didn't go well this didn't go week. well this weekend no, at a all tough week <laughs> i had uh, nick chubb that was the only thing that saved me i was I didn't, I didn't win i didn't win any money so i was matter. smart enough fantasy football wise to pick up the dolphins defense and put it in against them and they crushed that team so that was a smart move the jets are the second worst team i'm, I'm moving them back in uh i don't know what to make of this team they don't make any sense did you see the second interception by tyrod taylor no because I, I told you i was watching i only watched yeah. the games where my players are in so i was watching that game so He's running out. Of, he's he's scrambling left. You know, he's right-handed quarterback. He's scrambling left. He's getting near the out of bounds. So he, and, you know, he just tries to flip the, the flip it out of bounds, and it it rolls off his fingers in such a way that it basically skirts the sideline about eight yards. And there's a linebacker like basically tiptoeing, and he's reaching over and he tiptoes and grabs the ball and interception. It literally was a he was throwing the ball away and it just rolled off his fingers like a like he had probably baby hands. It's outstanding. Yeah. Minus one point for me. God bless Tarod Taylor. By the way, it is Tarod, not Tyrod. Whatever. I know that because of Tarod today. For like Tyrod four tomorrow. years of him being the starting Bills quarterback, everybody called him Tyrod Taylor, and then he left the organization. And like the first interview with whatever new team he was in, he goes, "My name's actually pronounced Tarod," and everybody went, "What?" Yeah, for like four years, he didn't bother correcting anybody, and then he did that. So then his name is Tyrod. All right, you do you. Yeah. So Tarod Taylor and the Texans are the worst team. The Jets are the second worst team. I'm going to go with the Jaguars are still the so wait, third. The Lions have no wins. Oh, shoot. That's who I was missing. All right, put the Lions in at the front. You're right. That's my bet. Uh, I mean, listen, I, you could argue the Houstons are still a worse team than the Lions. I'm, I'm going to go Texans and then Lions. Okay. I'm sorry. You're right. Okay. I, I, was, I knew I was missing a team, yeah, but I couldn't think of who it was. Yeah, the, God bless them. They try so hard. So we'll go Texans, Lions, Jets, okay. Jags, and then new addition to the bottom five is the Carolina Panthers because they are an embarrassment to the sport of football over the last five weeks. It is 
amazing how inept this team is. Sam Darnold. I was a believer, man. I was thinking like Sam <laughs> Darnold. Mind you, they gonna, had no McCaffrey, so I mean they, they just I mean, got, came back just this got, week. Just got him back. I get it, but my God, I mean they're four and five. Yeah, they suck. Oh, yeah, I mean, like they're not. Fair. It's it's like in, I mean they beat all the teams see? in your list, so it's like <laughs> did you say? <laughs> right, that's why they're aptly placed at number five. <laughs> like they're not good at football. At some point, I don't know what is happening with Sam Darnold, but get it together, man. Like. Let it go and move on and just play football because I don't know what happened to you, but you are a shell of your former self. And I, I, I talked a lot of smack on your behalf in the off season, and you're making me look dumb. Yeah, all right. I probably am dumb. Let's but. let's touch on this Aaron Rodgers thing a little bit cool. um, before we move on to uh, all time high Ethereum slash Bitcoin. We don't really get a lot of crypto pumps while we're on, so this is weird. But anyway, so. As you know, Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID, right? Yes. Um, and as it turns out, uh, people were uh, keen to go back to his uh, preseason press conference, I think it was, and basically bring up a quote where he says he was uh, immunized, right? Um, immunized has, uh, just like vaccine and vaccination, have seemingly morphing definitions, they're like not really. Uh, they're not definitions. I mean, I want to give it to you, but at the same time, they said, "Are you vaccinated?" And he said, "Yeah, I'm immunized." Okay. Um, I didn't go back and listen to the press conference, so I'm not even trying to even really get into that argument because I, 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 I don't I care. Found it much more interesting when he went on the uh, Pat McAfee, yep. the greatest uh, punter personality in the history of the NFL. Sure. Um, he has his own podcast, the Pat McAfee Show, I think, and Absolutely so uh, and Aaron is actually Rogers is actually a recurring guest, I think, on that show, and just I basically kept that's it, correct and kept his appointment, basically, even yes. though all this was going on. So during that interview, I thought it was, uh, I think he gave opinions that were held and are held by millions, tens of millions of people, and that opinion is going to get him canceled or at least attempt. He's already lost a sponsor, um, some health company, shockingly, I guess. I mean, <laughs> they should have known better, I guess. Awesome. Um, so here we are. Uh, the, you know, multi-Super Bowl winning quarterback, uh, probably uncancelable Aaron Rodgers is going to uh, catch the wrath of the, uh, ant- the uh, Vax pimps. And uh, here we are. I'm an Aaron Rodgers fan now. Now sure. I'm gonna have a, if someday I'm going to have a backdrop of Kyrie Irving, Cole Beasley, and Aaron Rodgers jerseys. Jonathan Isaac, I like it. Yeah, I'm in the Hall of Fame. Um, so I guess here's why I don't really care whether he lied or didn't lie, because I think asking that question is inappropriate to begin with. And I, I'm still, I guess, I'm in the this weird minority of people that still thinks like you're private health information is really your private health information. And if you feel like sharing it, great. And if you don't, great. Same way that if I came up to you in public and was like, hey, Sean, what's your weirdest sexual fetish? Hmm. And you looked at me and been like, uh, you know, I don't really have any. Now, that might be a lie, but who cares? I have no right to know that. I have no right to ask that question. I'm not entitled to an answer to that question. Fair. So that's where I view this as, too, of if you're upset with him for lying, fine. But what in the world makes you think it's your right to know that information? Like, I don't ask about anything else unless it pertains to football. And even then, if I ask you, like, hey, is your ankle sore? And you say no, and it hurts a little bit. I, like, who cares? I, I, yeah, that could affect you, but it doesn't matter. And listening to the 
entire sports media, which are a collection of the biggest group of narcissists stuck in some stage of arrested development where they never got past being a 13-year-old boy with this righteous indignation that Aaron Rodgers, he thinks he's so much smarter than everybody else. Like, yeah, like you? Like, I mean, yes, he does. And like, oh, he lied to the media. How could he? And that just shows he's not trustworthy as a leader. Like, please stop. I'm begging you. You're putting all of this out publicly as if you have any leg to stand on in this regard. Like, I, I just, I don't get it. I, I never will understand it either. Um, Aaron Rodgers came out and was basically like, look, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I'm allergic to something in there. I chose not to get it. And I didn't want to deal with a headache of having to go through all that. I get it. Yeah, and he had mentioned how he was uh, contemplating the Johnson & Johnson vaccine until they got paused, and he was like, okay, I'm not going to walk down that bridge. So, um, I, you know, again, I think he holds an opinion that is actually quite popular, and the fact that it, he's being, you know, raked over the coals or, or ridiculed, I, I, I don't care that he lied. Again, probably to your point, is they probably shouldn't have asked the question anyway. Um, the fact that that question is so normal is weird to yeah. me. That's yeah, what I, I I've been literally troubling. asked it. I get asked it all the time, so. but... I just find it odd that it's so normal. Like, that's a weird change in our societal dynamic as it comes to health information. Like, I would never presume to ask that about anything. I, I don't ask people if they got a flu shot. Right, right, no. I don't ask people if they got vaccinated for MMR. Like, I don't... I, did you get tuberculosis I don't usually shot? ask kids their names. So, that's fair. I mean, I, I literally try to stay out of all things. I just don't <laughs> understand where, where this became acceptable and normal. Like, this is just a given. Like, it's... Somebody can... Like, a stranger that I have just met... It can feel fully comfortable asking the me. The person like, who asked me, I never had met before. Right. That's weird. Yeah. When they're like, oh, you know. And it was vaccinated. within 10 minutes of that person. Are you? I was like, like uh. We had somebody come into the ice cream shop and ask my wife, which shot did you get? <laughs> that was how they led the conversation. And I'm just sitting there like, Yo, these people are nuts. What happened here? Um, and I, it's just confusing to me. And I, I listen, I don't think he holds a very popular opinion. I think that it is the minority viewpoint still. But. I, I don't the, think I think it it's wrong. a I think it's the min, the minority viewpoint. I don't think most in, people in the in the in the discussion, but most people don't like they're they're not outraged, right? They're like whatever. It's, I think that they agree that they don't understand him doing it. They don't understand his position, but they're not outraged by it because like the notion that NFL quarterbacks, coaches, and other players lie to the media is not a foreign concept. Like next, you're going to tell me politicians mislead their constituents on what's in bills. <laughs> Knock me over with a feather. Like, no way. That never happens. These people are all virtuous, righteous, and honest, especially the ones on my side. The other guys, though, they're dirty. Um, so I I don't know what else to make of that other than I, I don't care. Like, okay, you're not. You chose not to. Whatever. And so I'd be like, see, if he was vaccinated, this wouldn't have happened. Like, the guy has no symptoms. He's not sick whatsoever. He had a positive test. Yeah. And you see, there's no outrage over Jen Psaki when she got tested positive. Funny. And she, because she had the vaccine, right? So there's no outrage over her. There's no shaming her getting the, getting the virus because she did the right thing in the, the, the mind of the, the mob and our Aaron Rodgers didn't. So he's the no, one who has to be scolded. And the problem is the data could not be any more clear. Like after you get past the six, seven, six, seven month mark, it's useless. Yeah. Whatever limited benefit it initially offered, which again is not preventing you from getting it, not preventing you from spreading it. It's just going to minimize your symptoms, keep you out of the hospital and prevent you from dying for effectively like. 80% plus effective rate about three months. And then after that, it just continually falls off a cliff after six months. It's below 40% of that. Yeah. And that's the only claim. They can't claim any other benefit with any proof. 
And people are losing their mind over like, how could he not be vaccinated? Like, guys, who cares? I can't wait until January rolls around and they're going to mandate everybody get a booster shot or else they don't count as vaccinated anymore. Oh, that's that's definitely oh, it's coming. It's definitely coming. Just wait. All right. Um, I'm not sure we ever led our crypto segment with Ethereum, but Ethereum all-time highs. Your boy, Ethereum. Oh, I love Ethereum. <laughs> I got in early on that one. I was late to the game on Bitcoin. Um, uh, I all-time I highs. Uh, you know, right now I see it's up uh, up to 47.88. I'll take it. <clears throat> 4,800, closing in on five, the psychological fives and zeros, uh, 5,000. Like just shoot right past Bitcoin and I'll be a happy guy. Uh, I mean, I have both, so. I'm already a happy guy. I mean, as long as they're both going up and Ethereum passes it on the way, that'd be great for me. Right. So, uh, Bitcoin also is way up, uh, uh, touched 66,000 again, I think. High is like sixty seven something, right? I don't yes. know. I can't remember now. Right I don't now, even think it hit sixty seven, but it was close. Maybe it was sixty six nine nine nine. I don't yeah. know. I remember seeing that number on my phone. Um, but <laughs> everybody involved in crypto was a freaking child. Like sixty six nine nine nine. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And four twenty. Oh God. So we'll mix we'll mix Bitcoin in electoral politics. Did you see the uh, New York City mayor says he's going to take his first three payments as uh, mayor in Bitcoin? This dude's growing on me. So I don't know anything about him, but. All I know he's, is he's, he's buying in. He's buying into the whoever's the crypto, whoever's funding political campaigns through crypto. He's in on that. He knows those people. <laughs> Good for him. Yes, but he's not the first mayor. I don't know if you remember uh, Mayor Suarez, I think it is from Miami. I'm not sure if it's no. Suarez. I, might, I could be mistaken. But uh, the mayor of Miami also, I believe, takes payments in Bitcoin. Or Good does, for him. Yeah, he does some things. So, um, I don't know. Like I said, we'll just keep rooting up and up for the uh, cryptos. Everybody involved is happy about that. We I are. mean, yes. We are. Yeah. Let's go, baby. Yeah. Um, so let's touch on electoral politics. We briefly touched on the Virginia race here on last Monday. I don't think either one of us predicted it was going to be like a 10-point slaughter and all the, the kind of the ancillary. I mean, the New Jersey governor race went down basically to some voter fraud, right? So, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm kidding. But down to a couple. Kind of. I'm saying, whatever. Down to a couple thousand votes. Like, nobody was even looking at New Jersey. All of a sudden, dude was winning. Like, they're like, uh, we stopped voting count. That's still winning. We, we got more ballots here. Hold on. Um, and you see the dude in New Jersey, the state Senate dude? Yeah. Edward Durr, Edward. the truck driver who spent $153 on Dunkin' Donuts and some paper flyers. flyers. <laughs> he beats the longest term sitting uh, state Senate senator president. for New Jersey. Yeah. That's amazing. He's challenging, of course. Obviously. He's down by like 2,000 votes. That's a lot in that race. So I mean, I how in the that. world do you as the incumbent and the longest lasting incumbent lose to a guy that spent in campaign and 50? All he did was put his name out and yeah. was like, Just I'm gave, running. You know what it was? He gave an option, right? So I, I would it'd be interesting, and I, I don't know that race at all, obviously. I'm not in New no. Jersey. But it would be interesting to know if that race had gone unchallenged a number of years since Probably. that person had been, you know what I mean? Like, it seems likely. Um, and that finally somebody was like, oh, my God, we got somebody who's literally just a, a dude yeah. running. Let's vote for him. I mean, and a little closer to home, the Democratic Socialist Party took a hit in Buffalo, New York. They did. They, they actually secured the Democratic nomination from the party and then lost in the general election to the write-in former Democrat mayor, current Democrat mayor, Byron Brown, something like 65,000 to 10,000, like... That was a resounding, resounding defeat. It's good to know that uh, people are willing to actually go to the bottom of the line and write something down to actually. I mean, I do that every year. I know. I'm like, I wrote. I'm sorry you didn't win again. <laughs> I tried. Um, 
So it's nice to know that people are aware that that function exists, I guess, just as a silver lining. The Buffalonians wrote down Byron Brown. Yeah. And listen, and they for- had to spell it right, too, because sometimes they just get you know thrown out. Not that it's, you know. I mean, when you got that margin of error. I'm just saying. Listen, seriously. At least it was Byron Brown and not, you know, some crazy. Yes. Oh, God. Yeah. It could have been a lot worse. Um, what was that former Chicago guy's name? Blagojevich or whatever? Blagojevich. That dude would have lost. Yeah. Well, actually, in and I don't want to get sidetracked here, but I think when Murkowski, the Senator Murkowski, ran a write-in campaign, there was some issues with spelling on just Murkowski. So, awesome. yeah, Byron Brown was much easier. So, yeah, I mean, look, for as much as all the people that were claiming huge strides forward for the party, like, look, you lost to somebody not even on the ballot, and you didn't make it close. Like, you had every advantage going into this. You had you had it ready. You won the primary. You were gonna, You should have won. For those of you who are not familiar with Erie County politics, typically the Republican Party doesn't even run a mayoral candidate because they just concede that race so that they have a chance in other races. Uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. It just is. Yeah, it's just function. Um, and you, it's not like you got edged out to, put, to a write-in candidate. You lost soundly. I mean, you got beat. But... God forbid you do any self-reflection or try to think, like, maybe our populars are unpopular or maybe our policies are unpopular and we could adjust them. Nah, it's because of them racists. And so also sticking close to, uh, this is more future politics, but um, we uh, got word that uh, Atisha James or Letitia James is going to run for governor and then uh, all hell broke loose about her and Cuomo and uh, a bunch of, uh, I don't remember, we talked last week how Cuomo got charged. Yep. And it turns out the... Uh, the DA in that Albany County says that uh, the might be some defects in that case. I oh, think those were his words. Defect, number one being defective. that he didn't know they were right. charging him. Yes. That's weird. It seems if you want to throw a bone to Cuomo and his uh, lackeys there that they were onto something where that uh, Letitia James may have been playing politics to uh, use her uh, investi- investigator or an uh, investigation to further her political uh, aspirations. It seemed to time out pretty well when she made her announcement and uh, the sheriff filed those complaints or filed that charges. Or how about one of the primary accusers got caught when she was in college doing a similar thing to a yeah. student at the school? Like, Was that Hamilton College right over here, you think? I hope so. Yeah, but I don't I, know. I, I didn't look, but I feel like it could be very easily. All so. right. If you're new to this show, we are not fans of Andrew Cuomo on this show. <laughs> no, not we have spent the better part of the last 20 months trashing this man just with verifiable facts and data literally week in and week out uh, for a year and a half about how awful he was with coronavirus, how awful he was with the book deal. How awful. Literally one of the lowest lying pinatas that there is. On the oh, planet. my God. When he was America's governor, like we were over here going, no, this is not. He is awful. Like he's covering up data. He's lying about nursing homes. He's lying about his order. He took a donation from the nursing home and hospital administrative executives and then gave them blanket liability for negligence like this is wild how this is a terrible person he's awful he's He's a terrible worst that being said what happened to him was weird and it's not like some norma ray moment where everybody comes together and like finally one person had the confidence and that inspired others to come forward no this was an orchestrated hit job from within uh that is was designed to take him out because without it, there's no way you were getting anybody else into that seat. That was his seat, period. He had, a, I think, a 23% advantage. It was a kingdom. Yes, and they wanted him gone. I don't know who. I don't know why. Somebody wanted him gone, and they came out with this, and I can't believe 
he resigned. I'm still shocked. I came on the show and said, no chance will he resign. There's no, cause there's no upside in it for him to resign. And I, I maintain that to this day. Like if, if I was corrupt and oily enough to be an Andrew Cuomo advisor, my advice would have been do not resign. They are coming for you. This will pass. Like nobody's talking about Anthony Fauci and beagles anymore. Cause we have the collective conscious of a hummingbird when it comes to attention spans in this country, but we've already moved on. And, and I know that'll probably get kicked back up when he's got to go in front of Congress and he actually has to be asked questions about why did you torture Beagles? But we would have moved on from Andrew Cuomo too because we did it with, um, what's the guy's name? Lieutenant Governor in Virginia. Former. Ralph Northam. Northam, yeah. Northam was the governor, did blackface. We moved on from that because the second in command had credible sexual assault allegations and the third in command came out and was like, I did blackface too. And then the fourth in command was a Republican and everybody went, no, never mind. Northam can stay. That was super weird. Um, it was funnier still when they said, when that dude had to come out, and he's like an old white guy, and he just came down. I was like, uh, let's just get this out of the way right now. I don't want to be governor. I, there's pictures of me in blackface. Like, oh, that's a shame. Only Jimmy Kimmel can get away with that. Nobody else. Um, so I, I don't know what happened to Andrew Cuomo. I don't know why, but I know it was He became a target, for sure. And Letitia James came for his job and took him out and i don't think as you said you don't know who is uh coming for him i don't think Letitia james is coming for him other than she's just on the she was just picked by the people who are coming for him as, she's the shot not the right, shooter right that's my opinion yeah i'm that's with what you. it seems like i'm with you me. um so interesting i mean you know there is no love loss here uh no for this guy so i'm not staying up at night pining for andrew cuomo to return to the governor's mansion like the, the man is despicable on every front but, but if we you should guys keep asking questions on this front, too. And I, my God, if we had a legitimate media in this country, how nice that would be for somebody to dive in and go, hey, wait, what do you mean this happened and this happened and this happened? Maybe we should look in a little further. Well, some of it is that for sure. Listen, you know, and Michael Tracy is the article that I, I read. And I think that's what we were referencing here. So um, who's a, you know, a, 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 I would say a left leaning journalist i don't think he has i don't think he comes across any other way i mean he gets labeled alt-right like joe rogan gets labeled alt-right just because he goes against uh, the yes. democrat party but famed um, alt-right slash bernie yeah. sanders supporter exactly, joe right. rogan yeah him and glenn greenwald and matt taibbi they're like all oh, bernie supporters they get labeled alt-right and listen joe rogan was a bernie supporter too um, i know but so and again that's a whole other conversation but the idea that uh um there is this uh entity, whatever it is, unnamed or uh, either organized or unorganized, whatever it is, there is a clearly a conscious effort to remove him from office using uh, a wave of allegations. I mean, some of these were coordinated and it seemed as though the person we had mentioned uh, who had the same allegations, Christina Bennett, I think her name was, that's right, um, was in contact with some of these other, uh, you know, women who came forward too. So it wasn't, I'm not saying that they... There is merit to their argument of saying, hey, well, one of us wasn't ever going to take down this guy. And so we needed to all join together. And, you know, because, again, you point out he's not going anywhere. So there had to be this overwhelming narrative to be able to get him out. And like I said, he did resign. You know, in hindsight, I'm guessing he knew most of all, if not all of this stuff. So he resigned anyway. I don't know. Let's uh let's briefly touch on Virginia and ramifications maybe before we move on a little bit. Yeah. Since we talked about it and obviously there was such a, you know, obviously we're not in Virginia, but there was a 
a groundswell of, I mean, listen, the whole Democrat party came out. I mean, I don't know, Obama, Biden, uh, Kamala, the Weingarten. I mean, the whole Democrat they establishment came, for, came for Terry McAuliffe, Syracuse's own Terry McAuliffe. And did you do any digging on that from last week or no? No. Okay, good. Um, but yeah, he's uh, Syracuse's own Terry McAuliffe, Clinton, Clinton corporateite, terrible politician person. Um, but he loses, and uh, Glenn Youngkin wins. Uh, now the media from the left side uh, likes to blame and tell us how America is racist again. And White that, moms only care about their sons? Yes. Even though these are the same people who voted for Biden and Obama. But here we go. Neither here nor um, there. And do we take anything from this? I mean, I feel like this is kind of two elections in a row. If you really count, if you discard the presidential election and just looked at the Republican gains from in 2020 and this year, I mean, I don't see anything rising why they don't just sweep it up in 2022. I mean, they would, it's a year away, which is literally a political eternity. But right. um, Joe Biden could turn it all around any day now. That's not happening. Um, there's not enough time for that. <laughs> We're in negative time for that. Um, I think that the mood of the country is, let's push back against all this nonsense. Can I be right about that? Hopefully? I think so. I mean, look, I, you, you turn on CNN, MSNBC, even ABC, CBS. All you're going to hear about is how critical race theory is this boogeyman on the right that the politicians use to scare their incompetent, inbred, idiotic base into thinking that they're, that they're going to be taught this and it's not being taught and it's just they're too stupid to understand the difference. Cool. Uh, my guess is just from my casual conversations with people both on the right and the left is that about 10% of Republican voters are super concerned about CRT, and those ones you were never going to get anyway. There was nothing you could have possibly done to sway them to the Democratic base because if they're all the way over onto the CRT bandwagon, they're probably not super left-leaning to begin with. They're pretty far right and pretty well cemented, all right? Now, I think a far more, I don't know, realistic assumption as to what happened is the governor came out and said parents shouldn't get a say in what their children are taught in public schools, that they should basically sit down and shut up and trust the experts to teach their children whatever they want. And oddly enough, that wasn't a terribly popular opinion in the state of Virginia. It's a pretty blue state, too, especially in the last 10, 12 years. Absolutely. I mean, pretty blue. That's. I don't think anybody... I mean, I think there was definitely people who thought Youngkin could win, but I don't think there anybody thought he was going to win by whatever no. it was, eight, eight points or whatever. No, 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 no that, wasn't, but. that shouldn't have happened. But <clears throat> here's the problem. You want to, and this is what I mean, same thing about don't learn a lesson, whatever you do. Never do any introspection to see like, hey, where did we go wrong? It's the reality is, the, and, uh, the flip side of this of, uh, critical race theory idea is it's only about 10% of Democrats that are really adamant supporting and thinking critical race theory should be taught and is a great idea. It's not the majority of people somewhere in the middle, like, I think there's a middle ground to be struck between teaching real history and trying to define someone through their race and your inherent whiteness. Like that's that's crazy to me. But I don't I don't vote based on that. Like I, it's a non-issue in my world, and I think it's a non-issue for most of the people I've discussed it with. I got a handful of people that bring it up and talk about it. But again, you're never going to get those people anyway. That's not what cost you the election. That's the base. What cost you the election was 
the ridiculous mandates of all the COVID restrictions, that's not popular. You got these kids in mass for 20 months with no end in sight. Like the vaccines came out. Now they got child vaccines out and you're still not lifting mask mandates. You're still making kids go to school in masks, and you had to, we had to fight you tooth and nail to open schools. And then you factor in like this did not help matters. Um, oh, I'm blanking on the county. Loudonville? Loudon. Loudon County. Loudon County. Shout out. Uh, when that, for those that don't know, I mean, listen, I, I won't pretend to have all the details, but a, a female student was sexually assaulted in a bathroom. And I don't mean like forcible touching. I mean what we used to call rape. I don't know what the proper legal definition is anymore, but sexually assaulted in a women's bathroom by a male student who was apparently wearing a skirt and was identifying, and I'll put that in quotes, and I don't mean any disrespect to the transgender community. This ha- this gentleman said he identified as a female and therefore used the women's bathroom and sexually assaulted a female student in there. And then the school board tried to cover it up. And people came out and said, and then they'd like remove the father of the daughter from a school board meeting. Like, guys, you have to understand the optics of this. You don't have, you get nobody on your side when that happens cuz you could be the most pro transgender human being on the planet. You should still object to that. You have to have a line where somewhere it's wrong. Where somewhere it went too far and acknowledge, hey, we're not this is not a slight or an insult to the entire transgender community. We know this is the exception, not the rule. We have to address this to make sure it never happens. And in the event that it does, that it will be addressed, it will be dealt with, and it will be public and it will let everybody know what we are doing to keep students safe. They did none of that. They sat on it, they lied, they hid it, they covered it up. And you can't figure out how you lost parents. You can't figure out how your party lost the vote of the parents after that and after like mandating every COVID restriction known to man. And again, COVID in children, exceedingly rare. We're going to talk about it a little bit later in the show. Um, such a low hospitalization rate, well below 1% of students who, or excuse me, of any child under the age of 18 who gets infected with COVID ends up hospitalized. Like, it's we almost can't measure it at such a low threat and yet you the teachers unions in particular and local officials use this to their advantage as a power grab and we're like holding it over people's head like well if you want in-person schooling you better go get the vax fine you don't want to get vaccinated you're wearing a mask forever like no you don't get to like take my freedom away and then hold a carrot in front of me on how i can get it back and of course the best part was after they did that they turned around and said well you should wear a mask anyway that was funny as hell um so It's nothing to do, in my humble opinion, with critical race theory. Critical race theory was like the the people that are adamantly supporting critical race theory were never going to vote anyway but Democrat anyway. And the people that are where critical race theory and their opposition to it is a driving force for them to go vote were never going to vote for a sitting Democrat anyway. Like the idea that that caused the shift is bananas. You have to ignore so much common sense and reality and you have to hold people, the common people, you and me, in such low regard to think that, like, that's how easy it is to sway everybody is like, well, these these idiots are just racist. Like, what? Well, they only have one card. I know. A lot of those people, that's literally the only thing they can do. And they do it well. They do it loud. It's repetitive. And it's just, the problem is there's no defense either because there's nothing sounding worse than, I swear to God, I'm not racist. I have this. Like, I have black friends. I have, like... I mean, I adopted a black child. That doesn't mean you're not racist. Okay. I married a black woman. That doesn't mean you're not racist. Uh, okay. Like, it's a it's a fight you can't win. Right. So you just, you don't fight it. You just go on with your life. Um, and typically, it's usually white people calling you racist 
on top of it. Yeah. Is what I've gathered. All right. <clears throat> We're about halfway through this marathon show, I feel like. <clears throat> we got a lot to talk about. I better We've pace already myself. talked about a lot. Well, we still got a lot to talk about. All so, right, let's keep going. Um and before we get into the uh SCOTUS versus uh uh, we'll get into the uh, Second Amendment uh, case that uh, kind of generated here out of New York. Uh, I'll remind everybody to like and share this video. A mid-show. It's like maybe the first time Whoa. ever. Whoa. Yeah. That is the first one ever, folks. That's because we know this show is going to be long. <laughs> but so, worth it. Yes, but worth it. Well, well, lots of information here. So um, let's let's touch on this uh, NYSERPA case, uh, the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association uh, versus Bruin, which is a like the first Second Amendment case to be heard in front of the Supreme Court in over a decade, I think. Uh, this one concerns the right to conceal carry. Sure. Uh, this <clears throat> basically challenges the idea that, <clears throat> excuse me, New York has a law that basically says you have to get, to, to have a concealed carry permit, you must get signed off by, by a judge. Um, and there's a process to go through there. You have to, uh, you know, have recommendations and give us, you have to basically uh, show a proper cause for needing this concealed carry to have a gun on your, on your body. Um, And this is what's being challenged is that is this law a violation of the second amendment? So this is, I feel like the second or third time, at least that this case or some version of the NYSERPA uh, litigation has made it. And this is, you know, people have been awaiting the, uh, Supreme Court to take on one of these cases under the newly constructed uh, dynamic that is a uh, at least perceived as a pro Second Amendment court here. So um, perceived as being the key phrase, right? Well, we'll see. What, uh, John Roberts is obviously Epstein didn't kill himself, so we'll see what he does. But the uh, um, the case is getting national attention. The oral arguments seem to all basically be in at least insinuating that they were going to you know, strike down this law or in some way was, they were very uh, antagonistic to the people, uh, the, the, the lawyers basically trying this case. So I don't know. Did you pay attention to any of this? Do you have any, uh, uh, as your, uh, you know, you're a, uh, high esteemed lawyer. So <laughs> yeah, um, I'm, you're a I'm, doctor, you're a doctor I'm, of, of juris prudence. something. Yes. Yeah. Something. So, uh, I don't know. What's, what's your take on this? I mean, it feels as though, I mean, everybody in New York that I know, all my friends who are gun owners, I know a lot, are very uh, encouraged by this and feel as though this is uh, not only a long time coming, but actually the first time in a long time where they actually feel like they're going to get some of their gun rights back. I don't think they're going to. You don't think they're going to? No. I think states are given a lot of deference when it comes to regulating uh, arms and ammunition. The Supreme Court has been fairly consistent on that historically. Now, my personal opinion is this law is insanity that you have to prove why you need a a concealed carry before they just give you one. Because that's not a right. That's a privilege then. Like, your rights can be taken away under under certain circumstances, but you have to commit some action to have them taken away from you. If you're a felon, they take away your right to vote. Um, If... Certain things like that. Right. Well, some of it is just the vagueness of way it's. So maybe the state can tweak their law or whatever. You know, last time they did this, they basically just tweaked the law and they became moot and they basically freaking took the, you know, whatever. Right. These quotas didn't have to rule. So, but they, some of the thing is they talk about, uh, you have to be of good moral character, right? So like who's, who's determining good moral character? Andrew Cuomo. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I think some of the, the concern, I think the constitutional concern is that it is not you know, specific enough, I guess, if they're going to uh, implement these 
laws anyway. I mean, I think it's crazy that this is the law, but I'm not optimistic that the Supreme Court in this environment as a, quote, non-political body, end quote, um, is going to do anything. I think that for the most part they're going to ask some really tough questions and try to put it on, and then they're going to about face and say, well, it's close, but we're going to go with this. And I think you can count on Clarence Thomas to come down on the other side and say, like, this is nuts and there's no reason for this. Uh, I have very little faith in John Roberts. I have very little faith in, um, I forgot his name. Uh, well, I mean, listen, I, I, the, the, it, I'm skimming through Jonathan Turley's ar- argument here or article here, uh, and I'll just read from it. It's like the oral arguments quickly confirmed likely votes of five justices against the New York law. Justice Thomas, Alito, Gorsuch, Kavanaugh all Kavanaugh. appeared clearly committed to reversal as well as possible expansion of protected gun rights. So, all right. I mean, I'll trust Turley on those. Um, and then t- to our boy, Chief Justice Roberts appeared committed to vote against the law, but not necessarily on board with a significant expansion of protections from earlier holdings of the court. So if Mr. Turley's assessment is accurate, uh, five votes wins, right? So That's it. You need five um, out of nine. But again, Epstein didn't kill himself, so who knows about Justice Roberts? And then uh, you turn around and you're going to have the people that are clamoring now for the packing of the court because how could they do this and et cetera, et cetera. Absolutely. Which yeah. Between fun. this and the uh, Rovery Wade uh, stuff, that will definitely be – we haven't heard the last of that for sure. So, nah, it's going to be um, Like I said, interesting that it's – again, it's, it's from the New York State uh, Rifle and Pistol Association, and this is – they've had a multiple year-long, multiple cases trying to uh, uh, fight back against this, this law, and here they are at the Supreme Court, so – all right, fingers Ho- crossed. Hopefully they're there, yeah. So I'm just not holding my breath. All right, and let's not a, uh, I mean, I guess there's some Second Amendment overlap here, but let's talk about Kyle Rittenhouse. Sure. Yeah, well, I don't think we've talked about him once on no, this show. I don't show. think we have either. Um, I'm guessing most people who are paying attention to the show know exactly who Kyle Rittenhouse is. Uh, he was the, uh, I think he was 16? 17, I think. But either yeah, way. Kid, teenager who, uh, you know, by all accounts was there trying to help people during the uh, uh, some of the George... George Floyd riots, I think it was in Kenosha, right? Yes, Kenosha. And uh, a bunch of crazy circumstances led to where he ended up shooting at least two people, three people. I think two. Um, I think he killed two and shot another one. Yeah, one dude lost his arm, I think yeah. it was. So he shoot three people, two, two died. Um, that case has been started, and the the everybody who's been watching that case is somewhat mesmerized at the First of all, how terrible the prosecution is. Like, literally, I don't know if you know this. I, I saw this today. That So the lead investigator for this, who was interviewed, um, he's been on the job three years when he was interviewed, which basically this thing happened over a year ago. So he was literally the lead investigator on this. He was brand new to the force. What is he doing leading this? Inf- so I don't know if that's a, a purposeful... You know, I'm assuming he's not Doogie Howser, MD, where he's just like the savant investigator where sure. he just comes out. So, like, I'm assuming they had more seasoned investigators, probably better served to do this. But there's this narrative boiling around that they want they didn't they never wanted this to they never wanted this case to actually be successful and that they did everything they can to make sure that it was going to that it was going to be a not guilty verdict. Regardless, I think either way, I if there's a not guilty verdict, there's going to be additional protest and violence following it. I just history tells me that there's going to be i hope i'm wrong but um it looks at the judge has seemingly been you know even down to the things where he wouldn't let them be called victims during the during the testimony so they had to be called either rioters or looters or whatever so even some of the you know the narrative that you could try to build right the framing of it was in a way that it seems as though like 
you know, I don't know. It seems like a not guilty verdict is is in our near future here. All right. Uh, legally speaking, I don't think he's guilty of murder. From everything I've seen, every video I've watched, and everything else, like, I don't think murder in any degree would have been an appropriate charge in the circumstances. You could you could get some other charges on weapons holdings. I don't know what the I don't know what the rules are in Wisconsin for who can carry and can't carry a gun. Um, I, I don't know the specific laws in that regard, but I, I I guess it's pretty clear he was there. And every video I've seen is him running around yelling, "Who needs medical?" Right, right, right. And he's a trained EMT, right, from what right, I understand. Right, like it's right. not like he was just out there to screw around. He he actually has some background in this, and he decided. Yeah, and to listen, go he, I, I'm not going to dismiss that he could have been naive and getting himself into a situation that he probably may not have maybe second guessed in, in another world. I guess, but I don't think he was there under nefarious. I think he was there clearly under good intentions. I don't think he went there thinking like, "I hope I get to shoot somebody." Right, tonight. right, not but, a, no. From what I gather, somebody gave him a gun and said, hey, if you're going to go and do this, you need to carry because it's wild out there and it's crazy. And, you know, it's 17. It's yeah, that know. dude. I'm going to out him here, too, is because it's not like he's secret here. But Dominic Black is a piece of shit. So oh, yeah, he's a pedophile. Um, I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying Dominic Black is the guy who gave Kyle Rittenhouse the gun. Oh, that's the wrong guy. Then my yeah, bad. So he gave him the gun. He might not be a pedophile. Maybe. Yes, I don't know. No, I yeah. have no reason. Probably not. Yeah, this guy didn't get shot. The guy who got shot was, I think. Yes. But, so the guy who gave him the gun, his boy, his brother is whatever, like, hey, trying to take care of you. I'm going to give you this gun. Basically testified that he stole the gun. Stop. Yeah. And and cr- on cross-examination, basically, it turned out that uh, his trial was supposed to be two months ago, and the prosecutor delayed it until after his testimony, and he basically said, on, in, this, in this trial, in the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, on, on, under oath, basically said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm working with the prosecutor. Like they're they're going to give me a deal if I testify against him. Amazing. Like, this is literally like there's no chance that he gets convicted of this. If the, if these if the if the, the the what I'm reading is actually happening in the court, then this thing is I don't say over, but like it, should it is steamrolling towards over. It should be like all right, you're running around, and then it, he didn't go and seek these guys out to start an altercation. They came after him. He didn't, like, turn and fire. He, st- he tried running away. He tried, now, listen, we can argue all day long. He shouldn't have been there. He should have been there. Whatever. You're in the circumstance now, and now it matters. So now you're running away, and they keep coming after you, and there's a bunch of them. And one, at least one of them was armed, unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, no, yeah like, so they're, like, screaming, get him, and we're going to get him, and whatever else. Um. How long do you want me to hold off? I, truly, do, am I supposed to just pray for the good intention of the mob at that point? Like, I'm supposed to just hope or no? I think that this is a reasonable expectation that you are going to be subject to physical, serious physical bodily harm and or up, up to and including death. Like, I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation when you've got an armed mob coming for you. I, I think at that point, you are somewhat justified in in taking a shot and f- say what you will about the kid. You know how to shoot. Like he was selective. Yeah. It wasn't wasteful. It wasn't spraying. Like it and was to, and, targeted and, and directly to the shooting. Um, Richie McGinnis, who is a uh, uh, video journalist, I, he might like be freelance. For, like and I've seen his stuff in the Daily Caller, but I think he does freelance stuff. So he was there on site video like a lot of his video was used in this in this thing so he was actually brought on as a state witness okay um i'm just going to paraphrase the uh conversation here uh 
Binger, or Binger, I don't know how it pronounced his last name, but this is the, uh, the uh, state attorney. It's like, so Rittenhouse shot Rosenbaum in the back as he was falling, correct? This is McGinnis. No, Rittenhouse didn't fire until Rosenbaum charged and lunged at him. So he shot him as he was falling. No, not falling, lunging. So you're saying he shot him while he was falling. No, that's not my testimony, <laughs> lunging. And so that, that's a paraphrase of it, but basically that's he, the, the prosecutor trying to get him to say a, a, something that he was, but McGinnis was on it. And there was another point where he said, uh, this is not part of this article here, but I read the, uh, or I actually seen the video where he basically said something to the effect of, um, um, so he was, it's like, oh no. So he didn't think that he wasn't a threat. He's like, well, he said, he said F you and reached for his gun. Right. Like, so like it, it wasn't a, there was clearly the guy who got shot was, was the guy doing all of the antagonist. He was instigating everything. So, um, and to your point, he literally hit the three dudes who were, who were, you know, causing the problems. And nobody else. Nobody else. And listen. I think that's the one charge that I feel like they're so like, um, listening to somebody break down some of the charges that were actually given. One of the charges that they, the judge, um, didn't want to dismiss was this idea that he could have endangered others, others from his actions. Um, I'm not sure how in the heat of the moment you could be like, all right, where's everybody else behind me? I'm going to shoot this dude who's reaching for my gun kind of thing. Like, you know, at what point do you be like, okay, I can't worry about the person behind me. I'm worrying about me dying. Um, but that is the one charge that seems to be, if they get him on anything, it'll be that. Yeah, I think that's even an And even that's battle. completely, I mean, I'm just saying, if there is one, that's going to be the one. It, listen, it's a tough situation all the way around. And I, I don't want to belittle or dismiss anything the kid did. But at the same time, look, put yourself in this position. You have a gun. And look, if you've never been into a firefight, going three for three on targets with your adrenaline pumping is not an easy thing to do. That's why, I mean, this kid is not, like, it, it was clear that he knew what he was doing. He has some training with firearms. He, he knows what he's doing. Um, if, if you're in that situation and you're 17 years old, you've been around firearms your entire life, you're used to them, you're accustomed to them, you've shot them plenty of times, which means, I'm going to guess, I'm going to give him some benefit of the doubt, he at least has been taught some basic gun safety. Um, and one of the primary rules of gun safety that they'll teach you as a police officer in the military, anything else, is don't let somebody else take your gun and leave you unarmed. Because at that point, you are helpless. They now have a weapon. You do not. And you are at their sole discretion on whether you live or die. And that is not a position you ever want to find yourself in, particularly not up against a mob of people that are screaming F you and, and chasing you. Like, let's also yeah, talk for threatening actions, right? right. I mean, it's not like it's 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 wasn't they were just harassing him, calling him whatever whitey or cracker or whatever, or whatever the, the term of endearment is these days. They were literally threatening his life. Yeah. Keep in mind consistently how how reasonable can I expect you are as a person if you see me with an AR-15 and you're chasing me, like you're coming after me and I'm holding a loaded weapon and that's not a deterrent to you. And I'm supposed to believe that you're going to calmly and rationally just take my weapon, unload the magazine, pop the round out of the chamber and hand it, like break it apart and be like, hey, stop. Really? That's, that, that's how much benefit of the doubt I'm supposed to give you? No, I don't know. I just don't know. Like, man, I don't know if that's a reasonable expectation. If I'm being chased in the exact same situation, I, I like to think I could talk my way out of that one and, and move on. But 
I don't know. That's that's tough. That's what I mean. Like maybe there's something he's guilty of on like a weapons charge or a um gross negligence charge or something like that. But my God, murder, first degree, first degree, like premeditated murder, like first stop. degree murder. You guys are. It's like high. I said. That's a lot of people are setting it up that they think they just want to make sure that they get a loss so that they can have the. They, they just want the. They just want the aftermath. Yeah, I mean, I think that they're going to get that one way or another. But I don't understand, like, the people clamoring for him to be found guilty. Why? He's a 17-year-old kid who got caught up in an incredibly tough situation, acted fairly I can tell you why. It's because none of those people have heard anything that we've talked That's about. Fair. They all I talked about is he shot three dudes. And yeah. He's a white supremacist and white nationalist. Every Everybody's on the alt-right now. My God. Yeah, Are well, we alt-right? I'm sure to somebody. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. Well, it's good to know. Do I have to change friends? Do uh, I need to wear camo? I mean, that's I'll, I'm not going to force that on you. That's, Do I got to fly the stars and bars? That's the real question. No? Yeah, I, I don't want to, but I'm just wondering. If I'm going to be all right, like, what do I need to do now that I am I guess a member torch. of this community? A tiki <laughs> um, that that's, well that's, that's quickly. Let's quickly talk about this uh, FBI, uh, Tucker Carlson, docuseries, insurrection guy, whatever. I haven't watched any of it, so I can't, I'm not going to speak from there, but I do, this has kind of made the news a little bit here and something that we've talked about here on how uh, federal informants and in, uh, employees and uh, agents and whatnot have probably were littered amongst the January 6th insurrectionists. <clears throat> and um, from the Tucker Carlson docuseries, I'm not even sure what it's called. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit. A former DEA official faces up to 15 years in prison over the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, despite his insistence that he never entered the building. So his name is Mark Abraham, Abraham or Ibrahim, uh, an Army veteran who has filed with the DEA over his participation in the events of January 6th, uh, spoke to Tucker during that series. Uh, he basically said that, uh, um, uh, let me, I had this highlighted here. Get it together. He, yeah. Well, there's a bunch of pictures here. It's distracting me. Um, he brought his, he's brought his weapon there, whatever. He flashed his badge. Like that's some of the things that he's getting charged with, um, but he's basically said that he was recruited there by an, one of his, war, you know, one of his old buddies and the military buddies, uh, and basically tried to get him to do go into the Capitol. So it's kind of like uh, maybe his uh, his uh, former uh, veteran buddy there uh, set this dude up because he thought maybe this was a kind of guy who would uh, fall for the shenanigans at the Capitol. It's very troubling. Yeah, and like I said, it's it's not the first. T- I, you know, I don't know. Like I said, it's it's more than troubling. Like I, it's I have my fears and uh, uh, beliefs what the FBI does, and I don't, most of them aren't good. And just I, it's it's worse than what they what we're even reading here is my guess. So yeah, if you missed the show last week, we covered the piece by Revolver where they did sort of a deep dive on the guys, the primary drivers of let's storm the Capitol, who who they found to be the number one, number two, number three people that enticing, encouraging others, and actually leading the breaches into the Capitol, and how, you know, weirdly, none of them have been arrested. They're identified. Two of them they have names for. The conspiracy charge that they're trying everybody with, they have that guy, but he's never been arrested because they're saying they're part of the Oath Keepers, and they made 17 phone calls, of which the president of the Oath Keepers was involved in all 17 and has not been arrested. How do you have a conspiracy where apparently the linchpin of the conspiracy isn't under arrest? This is weird. Now, this guy's coming out, and it's there's more and more evidence. I'm not going to say definitively one way or another at this point, but 
The evidence is mounting that this was an intentional play by some federal authority, notably the FBI, apparently, to say, get as many people as you can in there and make this look like an insurrection. Make this look like a coup. And you and I talked about it shortly after January 6th, and we were like, this is the weirdest coup ever. Like, these idiots, the ones who did break in, got into the ropes and just started walking through taking pictures. The other ones that were standing outside protesting, and then the cops just opened the door and said, come on in. And they went, what? Said, yeah, come on in. Like, um, the cop goes, I don't agree with it, but that's what we're doing. Come on. And the kid on the feet, he's got his phone up, he's videotaping everything. He's like, well, this feels like a trap. My buddy, you should have gone with your instincts, yes, man. Yes. Because then you entered the Capitol and now you've committed an offense, even though you were obviously welcomed in by the yeah. person that you believe to have authority to welcome you out of the property. And now I guess here's the most troubling part. All these people that were arrested and the FBI went to the public's help and all the, I'm going to put this in air quotes for those of you who can't see the live stream here, liberals went right at the behest of the government and started trying to identify all these people online to ha- so they could turn them into the authority. Liberal does not mean what I grew up thinking liberal meant any longer. All right, I, I got to get that off my chest, but that's neither here nor there. They do it. They get all these guys in jail. That was end of January, early February. How many have faced trial? How many of them have actually faced a trial, been found guilty, not guilty, Not many. They keep getting forced to plea bargains. I shouldn't say forced, but coerced. Because honestly, if you happen to be there and a cop said, come on in. And you went, what? And the cop said, come on. You guys are coming in. I don't agree with it, but come on. And then you walked in the building. And then they threw you in a jail and said, you're under arrest for treason. Like, oh, shoot. Treason's punishable by death. That sounds bad. Uh, I need a lawyer. And I'd like to get my trial started as soon as possible. They say, no. Like, well, how about bail? No, because you're an insurrectionist. So you're going to sit here until we're good and ready to try you like, oh, well, how long are we talking about? Well, it's eight months later and you're still in jail. Like, oh, but I got a job. Oh, well, not our problem. Insurrectionist. But I got a family to take care of. Not our problem. Terrorist. Like, oh, well, that's not very cool. What what do I do? Well, you can just plead guilty to trespassing. We'll drop the trees in charge and then you can go home. Oh, and you got to turn on everybody else and just say that you knew you shouldn't have been there and that there's no reason to believe you should have. You sure you're going to be the one to say, no, I won't do that. What you're doing is wrong, and I will stay in here as long as it takes to tell you that you are wrong. You're not. We all like to think we would. Odds are we wouldn't. So adding all this together, this is problematic. The number of FBI informants and agents involved in the encouragement to enter the Capitol and watch the videos of um, Mike Epps. Ray Epps. Ray Epps. I always do that. I really like Mike Epps, Omar Epps. I mean, I like Omar Epps too. He's good. Mike Epps is way funnier though, but Ray Epps looks very different. Um, big camo MAGA, according to the liberal spy squad online, literally the first time, first couple of times he said like, we got to, and I shouldn't say this cause I might get arrested, but I'm going to say it anyway. And some dude yells out like, then don't say it. And he goes, we got to go into the Capitol. And people burst out laughing. <laughs> like, what? We're not going into the Capitol. What is wrong with you? Get out of here. And they started chanting fed. Yeah. And so now you, all right, well, let's just assume for a minute that he is. Doesn't all this kind of make more sense? Like, wait, why are they holding all these people who literally did it at worst case scenario? Ten of them were there for an insurrection. 
The others were there for a Trump yeah, protest. Which easily could have been handled by the Capitol Police if they showed up. Right, and they refused extra help even though they knew this was coming. Like, this is super, it's, it's super all, weird. It's the logical special. explanation is they wanted it to happen. They wanted to get as many bodies into the building as they could to trump it up as some type of coup attempt. When watch Cole Beasley look alike, dude, just steal a podium. Um, and some dude tase himself in the scrotum until he had a heart attack and died trying to steal a painting. Worst coup ever. Honestly, America deserves better, if I'm being completely fair here. Like, we I mean, deserve unless, a better coup unless, than that. Unless the coup was the, let's get them all into the Capitol building so that we can uh, not have a uh, discussion about the actual election results, then the coup actually was very successful. Well, yeah, that, that does pan out too, but I'm not going down that <laughs> rabbit hole. I'm just focused on this one right now, which is there's something <clears throat> weird. And when they come out with a domestic Patriot Act, are you really going to be like, yeah, thank God? Because you could be... I, I, the guys on January 6th, yeah, you probably deserve to be charged with trespassing and everything else, especially if you're one of the ones who actually stormed the Capitol building. Yes. For the people that got invited in by a cop, no. They shouldn't be charged with anything because they were invited onto the property. Like, how are we treating these the same way? And why is it why is it taking so long? Like, you've got all the evidence you could possibly want amount a case, all right? The the parameters are pretty well laid out did you enter the property yes or no were you invited yes or no boom trespassing that's it so you tell me does it make more sense that this is all on the up and up and all these mega hat wearing trumpers were determined to actually take over the capital or does it make more sense that they were used and taken advantage of by some type of central authority to do something bad for a nefarious purpose yeah I can tell you where my money is. Yeah, let's like take. If you can repeat that, we can just talk about the steel dossier right now. <laughs> I'm kidding. But so um, again, uh, quicker than uh, the insurrection uh, thing. Uh, I want to touch on the uh, the idea or the arrest of what's this guy's name, Igor Dachenko. Love that dude. So John Durham, you guys may know, he has been investigating the Trump-era Russiagate kind of stuff. Uh, this is the second arrest. Michael Sussman, a lawyer for the former lawyer of uh, the Clinton campaign, is with the first arrest. Uh, Igor Dechenko is the... Uh, if you Brazilian guys, uh, fellow? Yes. Uh, he is Christopher Steele's primary subsource. Mm. He was arrested by the FBI for lying to the FBI. So um, this is basically... He was the... His information was the source of the uh, Carter Page FISA uh, warrant. So, like, literally from the beginning, this is the, the the genesis of the whole thing. This guy lied. Oh, you mean where the sitting president authorized the intelligence community to spy on the incumbent? Or, I'm sorry, on the uh, incoming presidential campaign? Exactly right. That? Oh, okay, that's yeah. cool. Totally guy, normal. Yeah, so this guy basically started that whole thing, uh, was the first, was basically one of the very first dominoes to get this whole nonsense uh, undergoing. So I wouldn't, even though his name is probably insignificant, I don't think he is insignificant at all. Like I, I, I our board go back to Jonathan Turley basically said the same thing. It's like, he calls it a seismic development. So um, I don't know that this is where it ends or whatnot, but uh, I do find uh, Durham's investigation interesting to say the least, I guess. Uh, I don't know. We'll report back that on uh, as we get more and more information. Yeah, listen, at some point, if you were one of the true believers in the Steele dossier, it might be time to let it go. Like, if, if you really thought that was a legitimate campaign and we had some people going, 
I don't know. That seems really weird. Like, there's something off about this, whatever else. Like, whatever Trumper or Trumpist, whatever, like, whatever you want to call him. Like, no, I, I don't really like him either, but this is still weird. Like, that doesn't make sense that this would be allowed. Yeah, this is this is the prime example that I give of it's easier to fool somebody than to convince them they've been fooled because it's so easy to show that this thing never happened. This was nonsense. It was literally right. nonsense. But people are just all in. So. Yeah, and they were committed to that idea of like, no, there's no way Donald they Trump ha- There is a P-tape. I mean, there has to be a P-tape. So Obviously. That's, that's just how it goes. And, it's, so. and Trump has to be the puppet of Vladimir yeah, Putin. Right, like, right. no, uh, you guys give Trump way too much credit. Honest to God. Yeah. Um and even after the Bob Mueller investigation, where he came out and was like, yeah, no, nah, I couldn't find any. Well, that yeah, doesn't that w- mean there wasn't that, any. That like, wasn't oh good enough. God, yeah, no, that you guys are the worst. At some point, you got to take a step back, look was, objectively at the facts and make an acknowledgement of like. I mean, I don't think any, I, like, I mean, I guess they could probably sue me maybe, but there's literally no doubt in my mind that this was orchestrated by the Hillary Clinton campaign. I mean, like, I, I don't even understand how that's even like, a. it's not even like remotely like argued. How could you argue against it? Listen, if Hillary's going to settle a score it. with you, it ain't going to be in court, buddy. <laughs> all right, let's just call that what it is well, right now. I mean, whatever. Um, all right, let's let's talk about the uh, the uh, the vaccine mandate. Sure, Biden's vaccine mandate. President Biden has decided that uh, through OSHA that he, because he knows he can't do it any other way. He's, he can't do probably it can't do it this way either. either but. Um, has decided that he's going to try to enforce a uh, vaccine mandate on all private businesses on top of all all the mandates that he has for uh, federal government employees outside of Congress, I'm sorry, um, and the post office. The um, vaccine mandate for all private businesses with at least 100 employees, which obviously would have led to a vaccine mandate for everybody for under 100 employees at some point in the near future, but they're starting with this one to try to get the most leverage. Um, struck down... By the Fifth, fifth Circuit, well, stay. temporarily, temporarily uh, froze, stay on the uh, vaccine mandate. I guess they're supposed to, I mean, I don't know if the president's supposed to respond today. But I also, hey, that, that was, so maybe you can tell me, because I, <laughs> I wanted to briefly look this up and I didn't. So the Fifth Circuit District, is that like uh, regional, like geographically? So it's like that was, the lawsuit was brought by Texas. So I'm guessing the Fifth Circuit represents something other than just Texas, because I saw that Tennessee filed a similar um, uh, lawsuit in the sixth district. So yes, it's it's broken down by groups of states. I don't remember each circuit any longer. I apologize, but yes, it's it's the circuits are a com- this many states go to this, and it's geographically, all geographically okay. And, yes, and so Toronto. I'm guessing that as these uh, state DAs start, and I there's been I think dozens of them. I feel like uh, of like I don't know there was like 24 actually. Uh, states or DAs of states. I don't know. I can't remember the number, but it's it's more than just Texas and Tennessee. So there's a bunch of of state DAs who are basically filed suit against Biden's vaccine mandate, and we've gotten at least one circuit court to put a stay on that. Um, with uh, there was supposed to be a response today by November eighth. Uh, this happened on the fifth, so I don't know if it's just a three day thing or just the next day business business day thing. But this is obviously something that everybody's going to keep an eye on. Um, We'll get into why we'll get into the uh, the, the the Pfizer trial uh, whistleblower part of this uh, uh, vaccine mandate and why the vaccine mandate is ridiculous and on its face in general. But um, do you think that this has a chance of uh, basically at least? Do you think the chance the temporary stay becomes permanent? I guess I think there's a good chance, but not a guarantee that the temporary stay becomes permanent. Okay, I think that's what should happen under any credible reading of our constitution and your individual rights from your creator 
you know, the thing. And, and listen, you know, I, Jimmy Dore likes to point this out. He's done this multiple times where he goes back a few months, not even that, like, you know, and maybe uh, spring of 2021, where he has Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden, all of them saying, like, we can't do, we can't, we can't yeah, do a vaccine mandate. It's not something we can do. As right. Pelosi. So they know it. They're trying it anyway. Yeah. I mean, through OSHA. Well, they, they announced this three or four months ago and then like expected employers to start instituting mandates, even though they never actually wrote the law. Like right. they just said, it's going to be required. You might as well get it started now. And employers did. They started mandating it for employees. Now, that's a private business requirement. Then that they are allowed to do. That being said, if they're if the federal government says, yeah, you're going to do this or we're not going to do business with you as a contractor anymore or we're not going to uh, uh Whatever we're going to, uh, it, it's you're going to. Fi- it's not a, different. Like it's not a straight. Like it's not like these companies were like, I really concerned about my people, uh, my staff and customers, and I'm going to institute these vaccine mandates. No, they're scared from a federal mandate that they're just going to have to do it anyway. So they're just trying to get out in front of it. It's not like they're they're doing it because their their moral compass says so. They're doing it because they're being coerced by the federal government. That I agree with, and I think that there is a there's a claim to be made. However, that's that's going to be a different set of standards. The reason I think OSHA is a different standard is because if you just say all defense contractors have to have all their employees be vaccinated, I as an employer have the option to just say, well, I'm not going to do business with you anymore. Sure. I'm going to go other places and do whatever else. I, I tend to agree with you on that. But with OSHA, if you just by nature of having over 100 employees, there's nothing I can do to avoid that. That is a man, that is force. That is the fire, government man. Fire all employees over 99. That's it. Or you break it up in all these different companies that all happen to have about that many people. Like that's and that would be the response. Now, people are going along with it and that's a shame. Because I can't fathom why you would ever place this much faith in the federal government after everything they have demonstrated about their capacity, intention, and ability over the last three decades. I don't. I, I don't understand you as a person if you just can't wait to tell you tell me how good the federal government is. I I, I don't grasp who you are. Um, that aside, this is this is dirty. This is all right. If you have a hundred people, now let's talk about all right. Can they legally claim that? Well, they can make him wear a hard hat. Okay, yes, you can. That's a little different and obviously different by any account. Like, that's that's not injecting something. That's not something that could potentially harm you. That's you wearing a hard hat, reasonable safety, and it's making sure the employer is, is watching you do that. And I think this is the most frustrating part about the discussion around vaccine mandates, at least for me. You're not allowed to acknowledge that there's a risk with the vaccines, like, if, as soon as you say that, it's a, you're just an anti-vaxxer. Like, nope. I have family and friends that are vaccinated. If I was in a different position, if I was older, if I was unhealthier, if I had certain conditions, I would absolutely have considered getting the vaccine. No question about it. Because at that point, it's the benefit is worth the risk. But you can't acknowledge that there are people dying exceedingly suspicious deaths shortly after getting the vaccine you can't acknowledge like it's not just myocarditis and they keep trying to shift the focus to myocarditis only and there's so many other things that are happening um i saw a great quote it was the um the vaccine is the leading cause of coincidence and i like it's it's very true of like how many there's been three or four premier league soccer players some of the best athletes in the world that have collapsed on the field in the last two months with heart problems we're not allowed to ask. It's not one. It's multiple people. There are high school and college level athletes that are literally dropping dead 
a couple weeks after getting vaccinated. And we're not allowed to just ask and go, wait, are we sure that's not related? No, shut up. You can't prove that. Like, I, I know, but it, it keeps happening. Could, could we maybe look? Is that too much to ask? Like, the idea that it's risk-free is is crazy. Of course there's risk that carries with it. Like, we're still not allowed to talk about the fact that Hank Aaron died two weeks after getting vaccinated. Perfectly Marvin healthy. Hagler. Now, he was older. Marvin Hagler, I said. Marvin also. Hagler. Like, it's it's been happening. And I'm not even, listen, I'm not telling you it's causation. I'm not. I'm not telling you they're related. I'm not telling you the vaccine killed any of these people. I'm not telling you that. Probably, though. It seems exceedingly likely. All right, if you put a gun to my head and made me wager, I'd say yes. Some people are having an exceedingly adverse reaction to this vaccine, and it is causing their death, and we don't understand why. Uh, and I don't know if you saw this. I didn't bring this up and send this to you. I saw it maybe earlier today or yesterday, but uh, Dr. Peter McCullough, he did an interview where he basically compared the myocarditis that you get from natural infection and the myocarditis that you're getting from the vaccine and says anybody who's comparing them is basically comparing apples and oranges and that the, I did read that. the, the spike protein is being, it's going straight to the nanolipid particles that we talked about yes. like months ago are going directly to the heart and expressing the spike protein. Right. Whereas when you get COVID and it causes myocarditis, it's your body's reaction. It's the right. immuno response that's leading to some swelling and is far less dangerous than the people that are getting myocarditis From caused the by the vaccine. Right. Now, I don't listen. It's, but it's, some people try to diffuse that like, oh, well, everybody gets myocarditis. If you, you can get the myocarditis, if you get the infection, I'm like, yeah, it's not the same fucking thing, dude. Right. And it's it's weird that we're not allowed to discuss that. Hey, there are some really bad things that are associated with the vaccine. And that it's not all good. I, I just I don't understand how we got here where that part doesn't make sense. And also the other part is where, well, stop being so selfish of the vaccine does not stop you from spreading the virus at all. That's not true. It does help for a little while. Yeah, it might help. Might. We can't even definitely say that. It may help prevent spread for about three weeks. And you want to mandate it over that? Shut up, you petty tyrant. Leave me alone. It's nonsense. And if it's suppressing symptoms while maintaining the same viral load and capacity for viral shedding... I'm not the smartest guy in the world, but that asymptomatic spread that you keep warning everybody about that isn't happening could could start happening. No? Are we are we sure? I hope not, but I'm not ruling it out. And this is where we get into these mandates of it doesn't stop you from spreading it. It doesn't stop well, it reduces your chances of dying or getting very sick. Cool. What are my odds as a relatively healthy how old am I? 37? 37 year old male with no significant health issues, comorbidities. Oh, and I had COVID already and got over it. What What are my odds of a serious negative outcome from COVID-19? Roughly the same as me getting struck by lightning when I got out of here. Doesn't mean it can't happen. It can. But you're dealing with a one in a million shot, and you're telling me that you can reduce my odds from one in a million to one in 1.5 million? Um, I'm good. I don't, I don't think, well, what are the potential side effects? Well, none. Well, where would you track them if you were having them? VARES. Holy crap, VARES looks bad. Well, you can't trust that. It's all self-reported and not verified, so it doesn't mean anything. Oh, okay. Well, where else are we studying this? Uh, well, we told people to call Pfizer and Moderna and tell them. Oh, cool. the people that are, that are like setting record profits. And these are the same companies that denied health care to children's hospitals and that basically funneled and then covered up the opioid epidemic. Yeah? We're, we're trusting them. With- are you saying they falsified data? Uh, nope. Nope, not saying that. Well, other people are saying it. Yeah, 
I'm going to uh, leave that to people much smarter than me. <clears throat> so you guys may have seen uh, a recent article posted in uh, BMJ, which is the British Medical Journal, I think. Sure is. Um, researchers who were responsible for testing Pfizer's vaccine, uh, I believe in Texas, uh, in the fall of 2020... Uh, there was a whistleblower from that company. Ventavia is the company. Uh, one of the regional directors from there basically had uh, raised some uh, uh, red flags and tried to uh, notify her superiors and um, and the FDA and with no avail about uh, concern she had with the trials being conducted for the Pfizer vaccine. Um, so this was released, let me pull up this article here, the BMJ, this was uh, from uh, November 2nd, so uh, what, a week ago? Mm-hmm. And um, some of the uh, notes from the whistleblower, so this was basically the uh, the New England, Medical, uh, New England Journal of Medicine published a paper, and it's still published, so it hasn't been retracted after this uh, whistleblower has come out. So the New England Journal of Medicine uh, has the the study that was done on the Pfizer vaccine uh, and you know, the Pfizer vaccine comes out, uh, the, the CEO of Pfizer uh, came out uh, during the, his, uh, when they, I don't know, I guess successfully created the vaccine or whatever uh, wanted to, uh, uh, we're done doing their part and uh, bringing it to the public <clears throat> made mentioned something called operating at the speed of science. Right. So basically in insinuating that we're, we can only go as fast as science allows us to. Uh, we're going to check all the boxes and make sure everything's done before we get there. But that doesn't seem to be the case. So it uh, seems as though speed was, they didn't care about the science. They just needed speed as fast as warp speed, I guess, is what they're really looking for. So, uh, well, again, <clears throat> yeah. So apparently, this regional director from Ventavia Research Group um, is the, the whistleblower and basically uh, the, the source of this article in the BMJ. I watched the doctor go through the um, article, and this is a doctor who I purposely looked at this because he's a pro mask, pro social uh, social distance, uh, pro wash your hands guy. Like he has that in the back of his thing. I was I'm like, I'm gonna go we're gonna see what this guy has to say about this because he was doing a Yikes. breakdown of this. He was very, he had very, he had a lot of concerns actually right. reading through it. So um, you know, disregard or not dis, not to disregard. I, I I purposely went to him because I feel like he was going to try to be. Um, Less make it less serious than it actually might have been. I guess he's not going to be on your side. I didn't of this think particular so. I didn't issue. think so. Right. right. So, and I, I'm not sure that he necessarily is. He, but after this, he, you know, made it seem that he, you know, going through this, he said there's a lot of concerns here. So, but he also pointed out, and I just pointed out, the paper is still published and not retracted. So the authors of that paper or the uh, New England Journal of Medicine don't feel that the concerns being raised here by this uh, article in this whistleblower or anybody else uh, has not been enough to take the article down. So let's briefly in general, I have a bunch of points here that I can bring up about, about what they found, what this whistleblower wanted to bring. bring Um, Okay. Well, so I found the, the seemingly the most incriminating part to me. I mean, other than just falsified data is this, they unblinded patients and, and, and um, researchers. So, is that wrong for a double blind study? Yeah. So the oh, assignment okay. confirmation printout. So so the, they had all the the assignments, the the printout of the who got the placebo, who got the dress, were in every single patient's chart. So you knew if you opened the chart if they got it or didn't get it immediately. So they later corrected it and made that not a thing, but they never retracted any of the data from it before. So everybody knew who had what forever. Very slow 
reporting of uh, adverse events during phase three trials, which is the most important part. So they were slow rolling adverse events. Uh, the quality control staff at the sites were overwhelmed. They had tons of problems. So they had uh, um, they were deviating from certain protocols. Uh, there was improper storage of the vaccines at the wrong temperatures. There was mis- mislabeled specimens. And they targeted anybody who reported this. They basically fired them. They fired the person who reported this yeah, the, the day after she reported this. So, uh, I mean, and then she said she reported to the... Uh, I'm assuming it's her name. The name is Brooke Jackson or Johnson. I can't remember now. I'm assuming it's a woman. It could be a male, I guess. I keep saying she, so forgive me either way. But the yeah. uh, um, the whistleblower basically said they told their uh, superiors and told the FDA and, again, was basically fired shortly thereafter. Um, a, another research organization came in, ICON, and they basically said they found 100 outstanding trial queries that were older than three days that I guess all queries are supposed to be responded to and, and, and rectified within 24 hours. So they found issues. Um on December 10th, 2020, uh, FDA met, the FDA met for the advisory committee met, and uh, the Ventavia problems were not mentioned during that thing. And then the very next day, the EU the EUA was granted on December 11th. So nine of 153 sites were inspected by the FDA. Nine, which means 144 were not inspected. Just to sure. do the, the math there. Uh, and then there was also two additional employees who came and confirmed almost all of the accusations here by this whistleblower. Uh, and, and contributed to this article. And one of the other ones that I'll end on here is um, 477 symptomatic participants were never tested. They don't say if they were part of the placebo group or part of the patient group, participant group, but 477 symptomatic patients were not tested. So how many? 477. Were not tested. Were not Symptomatic patients were not tested. So of the trial... <coughs> When they were finding symptomatic patients or participants, if they were part of the jabbed group, then clearly it wasn't working, but they didn't test them to find out. And they didn't test them. They don't know if they're in the placebo group or the, the, the jab group. Can I tell you why that's... And can we, let me finish. I have one Go more ahead. point, and then you can take over. Ventavia, this company that Pfizer has employed, uh, subcontracted with uh, to uh, overlook and research their clinical trials, have also been... Uh, uh, hired for other trials. And let me give you a couple of ones here. So the adult and children COVID vaccine, the pregnant women uh, trial, oh God. the booster trial, and an RSV vaccine trial. So they are, be, they are the research group for all of those. Yeah. Uh, so apparently this group seems to have uh, structural problems and how, and maybe they're just purposely, you know, a rubber stamp, ink. a rubber stamp ink for Pfizer. So, I'm not sure that this whistleblower and this uh, article do anything or reach anybody who have already convinced of any, what they were already convinced of, but it should be raising. And it, like I said, I was encouraged by this one doctor who seemed to have a lot of concerns. And again, he, I wouldn't necessarily put him on team uh, sports clicks and politics here. So um, it seems like a big cluster. All right. So the reason that 477 people were symptomatic and then we don't know their results of their tests. You want to know why that matters? The original trial had 43,448 participants total between the placebo group and the vaccinated group. Do you know how many tested positive with symptomatic COVID? The entire trial, 170. So you're telling me that roughly three times as many people were symptomatic and didn't get tested. Right. Like, do you realize what that does to the numbers? Like, you can look at this and think it's no big deal, but when you're dealing with margins this small, 
It absolutely right. matters. Right. Because the overall positivity rate for the entire trial was 0.4% of participants came down with symptomatic COVID. That's not hospitalizations. That's not deaths. That's not anything. That's just you had symptoms. You had a positive PCR test. You count. 0.4%. 170 people had it. Now we find out that 477 weren't even tested despite having symptoms. That's weird. That's super weird, especially in light of the fact that the only way to count is having had COVID is you only had to get a positive COVID test with symptoms more. I've seen it. I, I read seven days. There's other people that I will say are smarter than me that are saying after 14 days, I'm going to go with seven days because I know that's true, but it might even be 14 days. So if you know that that's the case, this is hugely important because that could throw off your entire result. That's why when they said 94% effective, my my question remains the same of, so you could take me from a less than 1% chance of developing symptomatic COVID, not even hospitalization or death, to a also below 1% chance of getting COVID and not touching hospitalization or death? What? Why would I take this? That doesn't make any sense. And now you're you're not... You're not really tracking adverse reactions. You're not doing this in any type of meaningful way. Um, that's weird. And this is really, really concerning if you're in the pro-science group. Uh, listen, I consider myself fairly pro-science, but I also consider myself far more skeptical than anything else, especially when it comes to big pharma and the government. So now we got this thing for kids. The kids' data is even more alarming. Like, the kids' data is... Out of roughly 2,500 kids participating, the total symptomatic was 19 that had positive. Not one hospitalization, not one severe case of COVID amongst the entire thing. And we're now rolling that out on an emergency use authorization, a vaccine that does not affect your ability to spread it, that does not reduce your capacity even to get it, but that's going to just, what it did in adults, lower your likelihood of getting hospitalized, dying, or getting severe COVID. And we're just rolling that thing out without a second thought. And now we find out that the people running the tests were covering up data. And that doesn't alarm you. Like, I think people are under the impression way more people got COVID in these trials than they actually did. But it's just not true. Like, and I think this is where the context matters so much. If I told you that we, well, we're not really tracking adverse effects, but I got this drug. Looks pretty promising. Um, overall, less than one half of 1% of all our participants ever actually came down with covid but we didn't really test the vaccinated group at all for the first seven to 14 days because we just we didn't think that was relevant and i'm i'm supposed to get on board with okay what 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 are the potential adverse effects well we don't think anything oh well how long have you been administering this drug to people what well, is the first time is it like the same as other vaccines well no it's it's a newer technology but we've been studying it for a really long time like 25 years okay have you ever run a successful trial with it in 25 years? Next question. Oh. I was trying to do the crickets thing. I missed it. Come on. Sorry. The volume perfectly. was down. I'm sorry. So either way, that's weird. And it's so concerning that nobody is asking these questions of like, well, every doctor I have talked to said just to take it. Like, how many studies did they read? How are they not asking more questions of how are you not at the least bit concerned of, why am I going to give this drug to my child just because Pfizer and Moderna said so? Because the Beagle murderer in chief said that I should do it? Yeah, no, these are the definitely the people I want to look to for guidance on how to live my life and raise my children. Obviously, they always have our best interest in mind. And 
All I'm saying is I'll give you the benefit of the doubt, but you better give me better data than this. Because this data is a joke. The idea that you would do this and now I find out you covered up 477. I don't want to say covered up. That's the wrong word. You didn't even test 477 symptomatic patients. That's three times more people than had positive COVID in your trial. What is happening? I'm so confused by how anybody can get on board with this when they look at it. I'm lost. And then the booster trial comes out and the total positivity rate went from 0.4% to 1.14%. Like, why did that go triple? That's weird. Why is there three times as many people in the fully vaccinated trial that are developing symptomatic COVID compared to the initial trial? I think it might be worse than we thought it was. Call me crazy. What is happening? And then the kids trial, the fact that they authorize that, that EUA will be forever a shame on our country. Like what an absolute travesty of science, government, and public education that that went through. And there are people in line with perfectly healthy children who cannot wait to stick that thing in their kids. What an absolute. There are kids who cannot wait because they've been convinced that this is their path to freedom, which is even more disturbing. It's just, and the thing is, if people understood this side of the data, I don't know anybody that would look at that and go, oh yeah, definitely. I'm going to take my, now listen, if your kid's got a health condition, if your kid is morbidly obese, if your kid has all these like, I tell you, still, that's not a given, but you should at least weigh the pros and cons. If you've got a kid without any significant health issues and you just can't wait and you think there's no downside, I have bad news for you. I, I Really, I, this, this doesn't make sense to me when you put the data in context. And this is my central complaint about our government is you're not. You're spinning it at the behest of the pharmaceutical companies to go and sell some. Now, they've been falsifying data. They've been covering everything up. They've been squashing dissent. They've been cut, killing, not killing, They've been squashing anybody that dares raise questions and dismissing them as, as a ludicrous fool and not, not worthy of discussion. But they're doing it. And you got people that were running the tests coming out and saying, this is a mess. Like, we didn't do this right at all. We unblinded the study. We're covering up. We didn't even test for at least 477 symptomatic patients. How much credit you want to give them? You want to bet that it was the placebo group that all 477 came in since they knew because they were unblinded? You want to bet that Pfizer just set record numbers of profits. Them, Johnson & Johnson, and Moderna are about to split $250 billion in revenues for the last quarter of last year. But the vaccine's free, remember? Yeah, free to you, not free overall. So those guys, the people running those companies are going to turn and go, whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. Let's really slow down and make sure we did this right. We got 477 people that were symptomatic that we didn't get a chance to test. If those were vaccinated people, I I mean, seriously, guys, come on. Like, you know how this went. I shouldn't say that. Gun to my head. I could take a guess, and I'd feel pretty confident that I would be right about where these people fell in this and why they were not tested. Maybe it was on all, all an honest mistake that somehow three times the number of people that tested positive overall had symptoms and were never tested. Maybe that was just an honest mistake on behalf of Pfizer. Yeah, just like the 1%, less than 1% of all Oxycontin users will ever get addicted. Yeah, how'd that work out? No, let's keep trusting them. Obviously, they've earned it. Yeah, and it's, that's some of the, the weirdness of the, as the quote-unquote liberals uh have just embraced big pharma, right? Like like four years ago, they were literally, you know, they would have been right here. They would have been on our side. They would have been avid scap uh, Bro. 
the, five, the, the liberals in our country right now are the biggest supporters of the intelligence community, the big pharmaceutical companies, and government regulation overall. Like, what happened to you? Who did this to you? Because this is, not, this is the most illiberal set of policies that I could ever remember hearing about. And it's, and it's normally the people that were super pro-right, like pro-military, pro-FBI, pro-law enforcement, that are now going, wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. And I am at a loss of like, my God, how did we get here? I'm, I'm, how do you call yourself a liberal if you are supporting government mandates on other people? How do you call yourself? Like, liberal from what? Mass psychosis. This is wild. I know. People are committed to these positions. And again, all you have to do is put the data in context, and you can see the actual threat to you, your children, and your loved ones. And if you still decide that the vaccine makes sense, God bless you. Go get it. Go give it to your kids. I'm not here to tell anybody else how to live. I hate that you're not being told the real information. I hate that you're not being supplied context and that you're being... I don't want to go all the way out with tricked, but I'm going to say misled into thinking the threat is way, way worse than what it actually is. And every polling data will support my contention there of people have a gross misunderstanding of how serious of a threat COVID is to them personally and how much it really is centered on the people that are older and have serious health conditions of how much more dangerous it is. And I'll leave, I'll leave, I'll back that up with one and leave us on this quote here. So there's a quote, but again, I think I saw this on Jimmy Dore, but they were talking about how, I don't know who actually did the poll. Pew did the poll, actually. Okay. Um, 50%, no, 40% of Democrats think that if you get COVID, 50%, you have a 50% chance of going to the hospital. Stop it. Serious. I didn't know it was that bad. It's I mean, worse. it's, it's 40, 40% of the Democrats think right. that. Okay. You know, it's not all the Democrats think yeah, yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But a large enough I mean, almost half. Yikes! Think that if you get to the hospital, you have a fifty percent chance of going to the hospital. No, if you get COVID, the, you got a fifty percent right, shot get of being it, hospitalized. Right. And the actual number is 0.8. Oh my god! For unvaccinated, and I think for vaccinated, it's like point four, point something, point something, some other, some less than one percent thing as well. So, just to back up what you're saying, the people think that this is way more serious than it is. They've been scared out of their gourds. So listen, there's, there's going to be. A large, sizable, measurable, mostly Democrats, part of this population who are going to be scared long beyond we get back to normal, whatever it is. They're, they, they, they literally have. I feel have been so bad. Scared. For their I know they, they've been scared into a place that doesn't exist. I mean, these kids have been put through so much, and like the idea that anybody, being like a four-year-old, where the no. last two years were. Basically, I can't imagine my kid coming to me and like, I really want to get this vaccine. Like, do you realize the conditioning you had to do to your kid? My kid, if I told him, like, I got a shot that'll stop you from ever getting sick again, be like, I don't want a shot. It, yeah, but you know what? That's not how they sold it to him. They sold it to him as like, hey, if you get the shot, you can go back outside and play with your friends. Yeah, that's terrible. It's terrible. And now it's, it's a, when it doesn't work out either. Like, I, we have we are doing such untold damage to children right now. It is it is unfathomable how the cost, the price we will pay for what we have done over the last two years is really hard to fathom right now. I, yeah. I am not looking forward to that bill coming due. And it is horrifying. I don't know what it will take for people to start asking questions. To, I mean, by the time you get to your fourth booster, is it okay to start questioning vaccine efficacy? How about if it's in the next two years? Can we th- Then can we question vaccine efficacy? 
Like, how long are you going to continue down this road of there's no way the government just got it wrong and maybe not intentionally, but were grossly negligent with how they analyzed and how they published this data? And I don't blame Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson and Johnson for doing it because they are who they are. All right. It's like getting mad at Darth Vader for force choking somebody like, guys, if you're looking for that one to be the good guy, it ain't going to happen. But if Yoda freaking joins forces with him, I'm allowed to be upset with Yoda. All right. Like, that's how this stuff works. The government is there. The regulatory bodies are there. The CDC, the FDA, the NIH, all of these people are there ostensibly to protect us from the worst instincts of these companies. And instead of doing that, they have fallen in lockstep and went out of their way to coerce, force, and shame you into getting this treatment that is setting record profits for all of these companies, and nobody is tracking side effects in any meaningful way. We have no idea how bad the adverse reactions actually are. None. And we're not going to know for years because you know, I don't know what the most egregious thing that Pfizer and Moderna actually did with regards to their study. Uh, well, I don't know if it's the most. That 477 number really threw me. <laughs> One of the most egregious things they did is they gave everybody the drug. We have no long-term data. No. That was our best shot. We had a split 50-50, and we could have monitored this for years to come, and it would have at least been a warning sign of what might be coming. Yeah, well, they didn't want that sign. They coming. eliminated the control group right. of the study. Like, yeah. guys, you could be the most pro-science person in the world. This isn't science. This is propaganda. This is salesmanship. This is not an objective analysis of the data and facts to reach a conclusion. This is a, here's the conclusion we need. What do we say to the data? Like, well, I don't know, boss. Only about 0.4% of the people even came down with COVID. Like, well, yeah. But that's 90% less in the vaccinated group as long as we don't count these first 7 to 14 days and we don't test it for it there. Well, what about these symptomatic people that got vaccinated? That Do we want to test them? Shut up, Joe. You're fired. Oh, cool. Like, come on. This, this, I'm not this smart. This is not rocket science. This is not anything so impossible to understand. This is basic data manipulation and propaganda work, and our government is leading, leading the charge. That should concern everybody. We're number one. It's something. All right. So let's, let's wrap up here. We've left the folks with, uh, well, more, way more information than, than most. And we didn't even, we're going to move your Moderna expose. Yeah, we had to. There to, was too much to do today. Uh, to, a, to a show with less uh, Let's just say Moderna is not better than Pfizer. Right, all right, right. It would have fit in perfectly if we didn't I have know. 12 other stories, you know, what going. We went long enough one, today. So. This oh, was yeah, a for long sure. one. So on that note, I thank you again. Be sure to, uh, on your way out, hit that like button. Share this video with your friends and family. Uh, if you guys are listening on the uh iTunes or uh, Stitcher or uh, whatever else you get your podcast on, be sure to leave us a uh, five-star review if you like us. If you don't like us, uh, leave a five-star review anyway, and uh, we thank you. And uh, until next Monday, Mr. Houston, would you like to leave the uh, folks with any uh, lasting words of wisdom? I don't have any lasting words of wisdom. Don't trust the government. That's your goal. I you mean, up. yes. Stop, about that one? Epstein stop didn't kill trusting himself. the government. Epstein didn't kill himself. All right. On that note, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you all next Monday, uh, next uh, 12 p.m. for the live show. And uh, thank you for tuning in.